Good morning, this is Pam McElvain, your host, The Inclusive Voice. Oh my goodness, can you believe January is almost over? But you know, last weekend we had an opportunity to celebrate civil rights, celebrate Martin Luther King's birthday, but you know, and but not only that, but to celebrate our own uniqueness in, in surviving any traumas that we might have uh, uncovered or experienced. And so today, this morning, I'm really excited because we're going to be taking, you know, the broader view and listening to kind of what's going on in Hollywood. When people think about, you know, Hollywood, they don't realize that that entity itself is made up of people, men and women, that are bringing their artistic craft to life to entertain us. So not like any other job, this is still, um, Hollywood still requires a discipline for people to, you know, be trained and become expert at. So from the outside, you know, Hollywood in the movie business is always seen as the epic center, if you will, of the American glitz and glamour. You know, the pand the pageantry of the industry, and no matter how distracted, you know, many people may feel from different kinds of, you know, gossip scenarios that go on, you never really have and hear the courageous stories that people will tell about abuse and what happens behind the scenes. And, you know, we do get glimpses of what happens, you know, from one decade to the next, but to really have voices that share with us what's really going on and have people that um, are have Hollywood leaders, actors, actors and actresses, uh, directors and um, folks in very prominent positions to speak out and take an initiative, take on an initiative, it's critical. It's critical to all of our successes in understanding how to support one another. So, you know, until 2017, when the New York Times published an article exposing producer Harvey Weinstein, you know, there was a domino effect across the industries with more and more abuse and survivors coming forward about the different kinds of abuses they were faced, sexual harassment, um, you know, gender harassment, misconduct, uh, things that, you know, were commonly shared and known as the Me Too movement. So since then, Weinstein, you know, was convicted of, of rape, that's a tough word, rape, and sentenced to 23 years in prison in New York, and is currently on trial in L.A. as well. So the size of the movement, you know, plus the resulting consequences it had on abusers was incredibly impactful. But the reality is, you know, abuse is very real today. Um, it, I was I was reading this astounding report, you know, that one in twenty five households are reporting some type of abuse and, and who knew that um, in this nation that we have this silent uh, trauma going on where victims, you know, are afraid to speak up. So it's probably more than that. But what's also powerful is when you do have illustrious great people stepping up, stepping forward to bring their courageous voices to the open audiences to share their stories. That's a gift in itself. So to, so this morning we have with us Sarah Ann Massey. She's, the, she's an actor, filmmaker, and comedian, and we're going to talk a little bit more and hear more from her and the courageous stories and stepping up and her success and her ability 
to continue to excel beyond it. I feel privileged and excited. I'd like for you guys all to stay tuned with us this morning so you can hear more and share. And you can clearly reach me at diversitymbamagazine.com, calling in any of your messages, as well as, you know, feeling free to call in at 773-763-9278. So stay tuned with us and we'll be right back with our special guest. The world is embracing a remote, globalized, and diverse workforce. Is your organization prepared when it comes to understanding all the nuances of diversity? Diversity MBA can help. From an industry-leading journal and web publication highlighting professionals and best practices, to boot camps and conferences featuring noted and accomplished speakers, Diversity MBA is a driving force in diversity, equity, and inclusion education. Check out diversitymbamagazine.com and take the first step towards transforming your organization. Welcome back. I'm your host, Pam McElvain, and I have here with me our special guest. I'm so excited to have with us Sarah Ann Massey, actor, filmmaker, and comedian. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning, Pam. So nice to be here. And so where are you? Where are you? It's nice to have you. Where are you calling in from, Sarah? I am in Los Angeles, uh, which is where I am normally based. Awesome. You know, I just have to tell you, I'm an, although I'm in Chicago, I've been here about 25 years, I do claim California as my home. I'm a native California, Northern California. Oh, wow. So I'm going to keep claiming it. Um, so, you know, one yeah. of the things I ask my guest um, each week is, you know, what do you do um, for self-care? How do you both mental and physical well-being? And particularly since post-pandemic, I'm always um, encouraged by, you know, what folks share with us, how they continue um, to, to self-care uh, both mentally and physically. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I actually happen to have a lot of chronic illnesses and invisible disabilities, and I'm immunocompromised, so I've had to be really careful during COVID, and I always sort of have to be careful to take care of myself and find ways to balance what is a very hectic and busy work schedule with taking care of my body and my soul. So I've found there are a lot of things I can do at home. Um, I had gone to this place in LA briefly, which had uh, infrared sauna and like uh, lymphatic drainage massage. And it was very expensive and I couldn't afford to keep doing it, but it really helped with my pain levels. So I got a little tiny, it looks like a little pop-up tent, little tiny at home infrared sauna. And I sit in there and I sweat and it helps my pain and it's really lovely and it folds up and, you know, slides under my couch. So I do that. And I've gotten sort of into skincare as well. I have really sensitive skin and I usually keep things really simple, but it's become kind of a ritual of just like taking care of myself, starting the day and ending the day with this practice. And it, it feels really like a lot of self-love and self-soothing. And it feels nice to take a little time to just take care of something that's all about me. So those are the ways that sort of integrated taking care of my body while staying at home. And, um, you know, I also try to unwind at the end of the day, watch a funny show with my husband or just talk about what we've gone through good and bad through the day and just really have those moments of feeling like I'm both starting and ending my day with some sort of peaceful ritual. You know, I really appreciate you sharing. I love that self-love, self-soothing. I mean, 
you know that's so important and and i appreciate you sharing you know here are the the physical things we do here's the ritual of unwinding you know versus mm-hmm. you know having your 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 cell phone that our younger generations are some some of our older generations are stuck to but here's some of the things we're doing and and it's amazing to hear that you're a part of the the population um that has some you know disability and um and how you've been able to, you know, continue to forge forward. So I, I commend you for that and thank you um, for sharing. So, you know, just want to have a conversation, you know, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, you have a great history and story. Um, before we get into to some of your, your latest mission, mission work, you, you know, you've, you've been out there, you know, you've been writing and singing and producing and sharing your craft. What, what got you interested first in the theater and the arts, um, you know, as a young person? What inspired you to continue to do this work? Well, I think I was singing before I was speaking. And, you know, that is something that definitely influenced my love of performing. And I, I was, you know, always putting on shows for my parents and like roping my cousins into doing ballet performances and anything I could think of. And I was dancing by the time I was four and singing in my church choir. And it was just something that I think helped me feel like I could express myself. I, I also, my parents were both actors. Um, they went to college for acting and they often changed career paths, but they would play, you know, cast recordings of Broadway shows and they were always sort of goofing around and and playing around with me and singing songs. And it just was a very creative household. So it was always really welcome. And I loved to read and I loved storytelling and I loved TV. Like TV was not something that was a bad thing in my house. I know growing up a lot of kids like weren't allowed to watch TV or only were allowed to watch TV on the weekends, but my family loved it. It was like a, a bonding experience and also a way to learn new things and see new parts of the world. And so I just, I really connected to storytelling early on. And when I found out that that was something you could do as a job, I knew that's what I wanted to do. And I always knew I wanted to perform. It wasn't until later that I discovered that I also loved writing and directing and sort of all the other things that go along with this industry. But yeah, I think it was in my bones from birth, really, to just want to express myself in that way. You know, it actually, it does sound like it was in your DEA. And you know what? And most... um Hollywood actors, you and particularly singers, you have this gift, right? And you've been doing it since you've come out of the womb. And so it's like, well, why not? And you know, and you're so accomplished in, you know, look at some of your projects and it makes sense to me, you know, in this I was I would say in this um, in this period where we are, where diversity, equity and inclusion has become, you know, heightened in the awareness of how people are treated, you know, because of the, you know, pre uh, or, or, or not even pre-post George Floyd. Of course, pre-George Floyd, we had all kinds of other mm-hmm. traumas going on. But just what the movement with George Floyd did, and then coming out of that with the Me Too movement, I find it very um, inspiring to see that your projects, you know, that in terms of writing our culture, um, you know, with the Me Too drama, how you, you know, stepped up to say, hey, I, I want to have a voice in this movement. And, and this is, you know, pr- 
prior to, you know, getting into, you know, what happened in terms of what happened to you, you seem to have had a connection to wanting to share stories around um, some of the experiences uh, or unhealthy social norms around women. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think, you know, even before I was sort of a, a public face of being a survivor of sexual violence, it's something that I was always really passionate in sort of talking about and advocating for and trying to figure out through my writing. I I kind of can't keep my own experience out of my writing and I wouldn't want to. And so there was a short film that I wrote actually a few years ago that I ended up filming in the UK in 2017. And it happened to be filming at the same time that I came forward with my story about Harvey Weinstein. But that story, it's ostensibly like a rom-com and a love story. And it is, but it's also an exploration of what it was like to be me. I traveled alone a few times in Europe and what it's like to be a woman in the world after experiencing sexual violence and how sometimes things are just put through that filter of fear and expectation of violence from men. And I, you know, I needed to sort of exercise that and explore that. And I've always been putting, you know, messages about feminism and equity and bigotry and and inclusion, all these things and everything I do, including my sketch comedy writing. I feel like I've always said I feel like comedy is this really special medium in which you knock people's walls down by making them laugh. And then you're able to sort of sneak in messaging that they might not always be open to hearing if you hadn't already opened opened them up through laughter. So it's definitely something I'm really passionate about doing. And it just, it's there. It's not even something that I always consciously try to do. Another example of that is uh, I only recently, this past June, came out as bisexual. But prior to that, I had written a bunch of feature films and short films and things which had bisexual characters in some of the leading roles. And I subconsciously was like putting that part of myself onto the page before I had even fully embraced that part of myself sort of out in my real life outside of my creative world. So it's another reason I love being able to create art because it does allow you this opportunity to share things about your perspective and your worldview and your experience in a way that's different than just having a conversation with somebody. Yeah, you know, thank thank you for for sharing because you know that is powerful and and just for the audience, just so that you guys, um, let me just share a little bit about some of the projects and the work that Sarah and Masse has done because uh, you know right now she is a current film out there as the New York Times journalist Emily Steele and Universal Pictures. She said so. This is a major actress and songwriter and picture writer and producer and director that is coming forward and sharing her story. So I want you guys to understand here in the audience, here is someone being very brave while being public and doesn't have to do this. So, and don't just look at this person as a survivor of um, sexual harassment, but someone that is still doing great things and with ability to share your stories. So we're going to take a commercial break and then we'll be right back to hear more about this courageous journey. The tech talent war in the U.S. is making it almost impossible for companies to hire and is holding companies back from achieving their important business goals. What is the answer? 
Go global with Bold Business. We have the reach, experience, and proven methods to help your company access great talent. From recruiting and sourcing to onboarding and post-hiring operations, Bold Business can help businesses tap into a worldwide talent pool and can craft solutions for an enterprise of any size. Go Bold and let Bold Business solve your talent challenges and help your company succeed. For more info, visit www.boldbusiness.com. Okay, Sarah, I didn't mean to embarrass you or anything, but I did want, you know, my audience to know, you know, which icon I was talking to and, and make sure they understand. And, you know, and I, I too, am going to have she said, on, uh, she said on my watch list because it's the kind of movie that I like. I mean, I'm one of the supporters of, of the, that kind of work that you do. I'm also supportive of the other work that you've done. And um, so let me, let me just ask this of you before we get into it. When you're thinking about taking on a project, looking at the vast um, experiences that you've had, um, you know, what is there a common theme and or message, you know, that drives you to either, you know, participate in it as an actor or even behind the scenes, you know, as a writer um, or director, you know, but what is the, what are some of the things that drive you to say, okay, I'm going to take this project. This is a good one. Fit for mm, I mean, I think the biggest thing is it has to be ethically aligned. I can't feel like the project is perpetuating rape myths or victim blaming or misogyny or racism or any of the thing, you know, homophobia, any of the things that I think unfortunately have been quite common in the media and in art for a long time, I just, I cannot get on board with something that continues to prop those things up. And luckily I haven't been offered many things that fall into that category. And I haven't been asked to participate in many things that fall into that category, but occasionally I, I do get approached and I'll just, you know, politely turn it down and, and let them know it's not for me. But, you know, she said with the perfect example of a project that I was really excited about before I was ever involved. I obviously was aware of the New York Times reporting from Jody and Megan. It's what inspired me to share my own story. The book that they wrote, she said, was brilliant and a really great exploration of their process in investigating the story. And so when the book was optioned to be turned into a film, I felt really thrilled because I feel like this is exactly the kind of story that can translate to film really well and can reach people in a way that investigative journalism or, you know, nonfiction writing can't necessarily sometimes. And so I, I don't know if you know this part, but when I found out that the film was being made, I actually called Universal. I called their switchboard. I gave names of executives. So I got somebody's you know, extension and I left a voicemail and I sent an email and I didn't call to pitch myself as an actor. I called because I run this organization called Hire Survivors Hollywood and I created it in the aftermath of, of myself coming forward because I stopped getting auditions. I stopped getting opportunities and it wasn't just happening to me. It was happening to a lot of people who had come forward about abuse. A lot of people had told their agents or their managers, people had gone to the press, all sorts of people at all sorts of points in their career were facing economic damage and career harm because they had told the truth about something abusive that had happened to them. 
And I couldn't sit by and let that happen. And so I came up with ideas of how to address this and how to make sure that doors weren't being slammed in faces. And it ties into all the work that I think matters about equity and inclusion. And it's not about giving someone a part just because they're a survivor. It's about giving somebody an opportunity to get the work, to get the job, not holding them back. And to Universal's credit, they took a meeting with me and we had a conversation and I told them, you know, some things that I thought they could do on this project. And then I really didn't expect anything to happen, but I got an audition and several other Weinstein survivors that I know got auditions, which is one of the things I had asked them to do. And a few of us got cast and they had also consulted with depicted in the film during the process of writing the script and we had access to a therapist that we could call if we felt triggered on set. It was just a really beautiful experience. It was a very female dominated set. Um, I felt very safe and, and the work was just fantastic. I got to do the thing that I love to do the thing that I'm good at doing in an environment that felt ethically aligned. And that's just kind of the dream come true. So she said it was a complete no-brainer for me. And something similar happened with our culture, a project you mentioned that I'm a, a co-writer on. Uh, a filmmaker named Alexa Pilar, who's also a writer, approached me uh, after seeing my short film, Tristan and Kelly, the one I was talking about earlier, and said, look, I have a script <clears throat> that I've written. And... I'm not a survivor, but it is partially a survivor story. And I'm wondering if you could take a look at it and tell me what you think. And I did, and I sent her my notes, and she asked me, and the production company asked me to come on board as a co-writer and to do a rewrite on the script. And it was such a great story because Alexa is an immigrant, and it is partially an immigrant story, and I'm a survivor, and it's partially a survivor story. <laughs> and we were able to combine our real lived experiences to tell this really complex, dynamic story that I think is really important to tell and we're in, you know, sort of development and pre-production right now and um, we already have a, a few actors attached, including Lisa Ray from former Shop Street and I think it's going to be beautiful. Yeah. But it was the same thing. Something is ethically aligned and if I can add my genuine perspective and talent to it and make it better, I'm so excited to come on board and I'm so excited to create that art with people who are pushing towards the same goals. You know, and, and kudos, you know, kudos to you for keeping true to, you know, not only your dream, but to your ethics. And, and you know, we'll give a shout out to Universal for taking a chance because, you know, because, because we do need them to, to take a chance on, um, on, on people that speak out. Um, and, you know, we, we're talking about, you know, this is kind of interesting um, because you were one of the first people, Sarah, um, that said, you know, I. I'm going to speak out and I know it's going to be at risk and I know <laughs> I might not have a community behind me. So what, what compelled you to come forward? And I ask you this question, not to, not to, not to really uh, dive into, into, you know, that particular instant, but to, but to help mm -hmm. people that are in scenarios where they need to have open expression, but are afraid to, because they're not the fear of the consequence and their ability to recover. And so, you know, without knowing what that, is, what that would be in, in actually the industry at that time, but you did feel compelled to come forward. Um, so, you know, so share with us, you know, what was driving you knowing that you didn't know who else was gonna come uh, in terms of the numbers and the way that it did, because it's a powerful figure. Um, 
you know, a person with a lot of influence that, that you're coming forward. So, and we want to be able to encourage other, you know, survivors to be able to speak up and speak out. Um, and, you know, we know the reality is will be some fear, but, but share your, um, your insights and what, what you were feeling and, and believing at that time. Yeah, I, I mean, I had been terrified to share my story for almost a decade. Only the people closest to me knew what had happened. And when I saw that first story in the New York Times, it was the first time I realized that it hadn't just happened to me, that I was not alone. And so I felt like maybe I could finally tell the truth about what happened without being afraid that my career was going to be destroyed. I felt like maybe there was strength in numbers and, you know, maybe he was going to be held accountable. It sort of looked that way. And so initially I just like sort of shared the broad details on my Facebook thinking my 2,500 friends will see this and it'll be off my chest and it'll be a moment for me to try to start to heal through this thing that I've had to keep secret for so long. But then a friend saw what I had written and asked if I would be at all interested in talking to the press. And I really wasn't sure but I thought, I'll, I'll talk to someone and see how I feel. And ultimately, the reason I decided to go on the record with the press is because I wanted other people who had been through something like I had been through to feel like they weren't alone. And I, yes, was an actor when I met with him, but I also was meeting with him under the auspices of an interview to be a nanny for his children. And I think there's a lot of abuse that happens in the world of domestic workers, and I don't think it gets talked about enough. So I wanted to help give voice to that part of this sort of cycle of abuse that he was engaging in as well. And it just felt like the right thing to do. And I did feel very scared. I wasn't sure what the outcome could be. And to be honest, it's been up and down. There have been positives and negatives that's coming forward. You know, like I said, it's based career damage. There's been new trauma that comes along with sharing this story so publicly. I've had harassment online from people. I've had, you know, people make threats to me. It's been scary at times. However, I've also been able to connect with incredible survivors. I've been able to create this organization that is actively getting survivors interviews and auditions and jobs in front of and behind the camera in this industry. And it is part of my story and I'm not ashamed of it. So for me, it was the right decision to go to the press at that time. And what I always try to say to other survivors is you should make the decision that feels right for you. I always encourage people to share their story, but that doesn't necessarily mean sharing it publicly. It might mean telling a trusted family member or a therapist, a member of clergy, going to the police, going to your superior at work, whoever feels safe to you, whatever feels like the right decision for you to make, because so much of our power and so much of our autonomy has been taken away as survivors of sexual violence that when it comes to time to share a story and to go on this path of healing, it really should be guided by the survivor and what feels comfortable for them. And they should never feel pressure. You know, just because I came forward publicly, I don't want anyone else to ever feel like they have to do the same as me. Everyone's on their own separate journey and we all support each other, whatever that looks like for each individual survivor. You know, thank you for that because, um, that was real powerful. And um, we're going to take a commercial break, to Sarah. But when we come back, I really want to hear more about your initiative, Hire Survivors Hollywood. Um, I think, you know, your story definitely 
um, you know, provides encouragement, inspiration, and um, for folks know. And, and thank you for being, you know, genuinely authentic with letting us know that you, you use the word terrified. So, you know, thank you for that, um, for that authenticity so that people know that this is not easy to do when you choose to make a choice. Okay, so we'll be right back with you. Stay tuned with us. Hear more, you know, from our actors, Sarah and Massey, and who will share with us um, more journeys and inspirations on uh, what I will say, keep coming out and moving forward. We'll be right back. From emails that get no response, to improper billing and shipping, to inventory mistakes, waste can be an expansive, encompassing problem. With a track record of success that includes over $7 billion in successful projects, Bold Business has been helping clients over two decades. Whether you seek to enhance the performance of current anti-waste and waste initiatives, reduce reputational damage in the face of heightened public scrutiny, or simply safeguard cost efficiency, Bold Business has the answers. Check out boldbusiness.com for more information. Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Pam McElvain, with the Inclusive Voice this morning. Oh, it's a little rainy outside, but I'm glad that you're staying tuned with us. Go grab your coffee and have a seat. And, you know, sit back with me and hear from Sarah Ann Massey. She's an actor, uh, writer, singer, you know, just an incredible um, Hollywood contribution. Here sharing her story with us on how to stay inspired in, in spite of uh, trauma and obstacles and barriers. So, um, Sarah, I just also wanted to just say to you, um, kudos to you for sharing with me earlier, you, you know, you're saying you're um, bisexual um, and you wanted to, you know, come out and let people know that, you know, thank you for having the, the courage to share and, you know, we wrap our arms around you and um, in your support moving forward and helping others um, to, to come out and feel safe uh, about doing so. So, um, oh, absolutely. I, I'm just really, I'm really falling for you too because I'm like, oh, this is so good in the work you're doing. And um, so I wanted to, you know, learn more about, I read a little bit about your initiative, Hire Survivors in Hollywood. Um, share with us a little bit, you know, about, uh, you know, what this is and actually some of the impact, you know, that you've had with this initiative. Yeah, we, so I, as I mentioned, I sort of started realizing that there was retaliation happening uh, within our industry for folks like me who had spoken up or who had faced abuse. And I started talking about it on social media and I started talking about it in groups of other survivors. And I started going to pre-existing organizations and saying, hey, look, this thing is happening. Here are some ideas I have for how to address it. Could we work together? Let's see what we can do. And after a while, it became apparent that people thought it was a good idea, but nobody was really willing to throw their weight behind it. And if I was going to do this fully, I was going to have to launch it myself. So I did. And that was almost three years ago that we officially launched. And the whole purpose of Hire Survivors is to draw attention to the fact that there is retaliation that happens to sort of highlight and elevate survivors who work in this industry and draw attention to their talents and their skills advocate for creating safer and more equitable work environments for everybody. So while this benefits the community of survivors directly, it also benefits everybody who works in the entertainment industry and then create 
actual job opportunities for survivors. So we have a pledge that you can take if you go onto our website, HireSurvivorsHollywood.org, and we have teamed up with many filmmakers to get them to sort of instigate and implement these initiatives on their own projects. And we have worked with productions that had a budget as low as $3,000, and we got them to hire an intimacy coordinator and hire survivors for on-camera positions and off-camera positions. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter came to us at one point, that's a, a trade magazine within the entertainment industry, and said... We became aware of you. We are doing a story about survivors and we're doing a photo shoot with survivors, many of whom have been assaulted at photo shoots. And we were told that you might be able to help us create a safer, more trauma-informed environment. So the Hollywood Reporter hired a trauma therapist to have on set that I had referred them to, hired two hair and makeup artists who were survivors. And everybody on that set, the survivors, the crew, the people from the magazine, all felt like it was much healthier, happier environment. They were able to do their work in a, in a better way. And that is the feedback that we keep getting. Directors tell us that by having intimacy coordinators on their set, they're freed up to do their job and know that their actors are going to be safe and taken care of and feel respected. Uh, survivors are getting interviews and auditions. And while not every single survivor who submits for a project or who gets called in for a project books it, many of them do. So we've made a real impact. We've gotten real jobs happening for this community that has been historically marginalized, and it's been really fantastic. And another thing I'm really proud of is I authored this, I think, 22-page toolkit for the industry, and it talks about from development of the script or the project through release of the project and at every step how you can be inclusive of survivors, be more trauma-informed, create safer and more equitable working environments. It's completely free to download on our website. It's also part of the Reframe Resource Reframe is an organization that works towards gender equity in Hollywood, and we've partnered with them. We've partnered with the Hollywood Commission. We've partnered with Women in Film, and we're just two people right now. It's me and my director of communication, Shane Kalminski. We also just recently brought on um, a 30-person strong advisory board. But we've been doing this so far with no money, no donations, no real power, you know, besides the two of us. And we've had an impact. So we're about to be able to take donations and get fiscal sponsorship and sort of really expand. And once we do that, I'm really excited about the things that we're going to be able to achieve. And we're just looking to team up with as many filmmakers as possible, studios, production companies, and continue to do this really impactful work that ultimately makes the end product better for everybody. Oh, so Sarah, thank you so much for sharing. You know, I was just looking at um, the work that you've done and how you've inspired others and continuing to be able to, to be bold, I think, and position people and encourage people to um, to do what they believe in. And you, so you launched an initiative, Hire Survivors Hollywood. Um, I would love to know, you know, what inspired you uh, to launch this initiative and, you know, what is the impact and or obstacles you, you're facing? Well, like I mentioned before, once I realized that this retaliation that I had feared for so long was still happening in the industry, I was experiencing it. Many other survivors that I had interacted with were experiencing it. I, I knew I had to do something. And I started talking about it on social media. I would talk about it to other survivors. I started going to 
pre-existing organizations and saying, look, this thing is happening. I have ideas about how to address it. Here's my pitch. Maybe we can work together. And everyone thought it was a good idea and needed, but nobody was sort of willing to throw their weight behind it. And so after a couple of years of informally talking about all this stuff and starting to use these hashtags and advocate for survivors to get hired in the industry, I decided to officially launch Hire Survivors. And that was just about three years ago. And it has been me and my director of communication, Shane Kalminski, running the whole show the whole time. But our goal was to draw attention to the fact that there was retaliation happening within the entertainment industry, put positive attention on survivors and their talents and make people aware of all of these incredible folks who there are that are you know, looking to work and excited to work and who have been sort of unfairly economically harmed through this process of talking about their abuse and then help create actual employment opportunities for people from this historically marginalized community. So we have a pledge that you can take on our website and we have partnered with many filmmakers over the past couple of years to get them to integrate this work into their projects. And I think people sometimes hear like, well, how do we do this? Is it an extra cost? Is it going to be difficult? And I have worked on projects that had budgets as little as $3,000. And that director hired an intimacy coordinator and hired survivors to be in on-camera roles and had this incredible experience. The Hollywood Reporter, which is an industry trade magazine, came to me. Uh, another survivor had told them about the work that I do and said, hey, we're doing a story about survivors of this particular producer and we're doing a photo shoot with some of the survivors and many of them have been assaulted at photo shoots and we wanted to come to you to see if you could help us make this a, a safer environment. So we advised them to hire a trauma therapist, which they did. They also hired two hair and makeup artists who were survivors to work on set that day. And everyone on set, the survivors, the crew, people from the magazine all felt really safe and like they could do their job and be in this really healing environment while telling this story. So I've just heard from every filmmaker I've worked with, every per person we've partnered with, that the work we do makes their job easier, makes it more fulfilling, allows them to be creative and know that their sets are safe and equitable. And that's the thing is this work does obviously benefit survivors of sexual violence. But what we're advocating for creates safer and more equitable work environments for everybody. So it really benefits the entire industry. It's also really good PR for the people who do it. Um, it's a, a positive thing. It is, you know, ties into all of the other DEIA work that companies are already doing. So our goal is to continue to partner with filmmakers and studios and networks. And like I said, you know, Universal really heard what you we were talking about and was already doing some of this work already. So I've seen this work at the very, very, very low budget indie spectrum and I've seen it work at the studio level and everybody in the industry can partner with us. And another thing I'm really proud of is that I have authored this 22 page toolkit that takes you from development through release of any project and it, it helps filmmakers and studios and network executives know how to be inclusive of survivors throughout the process, how to be more trauma informed, how to create safe and equitable work environments 
and it's entirely free. It's on our website. It's also part of the Reframe resource. Reframe is an organization that works towards gender parity in the entertainment industry. So we've partnered with them. We've partnered with the Hollywood Commission. We've partnered with Women in Film. We've brought on a 30-person advisory board recently, which I'm really excited about. And we've been doing all of this with no money, with no donations, no income, just through pure force of will. But we are very close to getting fiscal sponsors that so soon we will be able to take donations and get grants. And once we have that going, we'll be able to make even more of an impact. But we've gotten survivors' interviews, auditions, and jobs. Like, the tangible, tangible results that we've gotten over the past couple of years. And if we can do that at this small scale, imagine what we can do when we partner with the people who really have the power in this industry. I'm just, I'm really excited about the work we're doing. Oh my goodness, you should be, you should be. Congratulations. So um, where can people go? This is incredible to hear that you have this toolkit. So if folks wanted to have access to it, where can they go, Sarah? Yeah, it's on our website, which is Hire Survivors Hollywood, and that's Hire, H-I-R-E, dot org. Uh, and you can navigate to the toolkit uh, part of the menu, or you can just type in HireSurvivorsHollywood.org backslash toolkit. It's there for you to read on the website. You can download it. You can also go to ReframeResource.com and see it there. And we are on Twitter at Hire Survivors, on Instagram at Hire Survivors Hollywood. We're really easy to connect with and find. And... Um, yeah, we just want to help. We want to keep doing this work. And, you know, I know what it's like. I'm still dealing with the repercussions of having come forward with my career and still working to get back to, you know, the same level of auditions and work that I had prior to this. So I know what it's like from the inside out. And I just want to help other survivors who are going through this. And I want to help filmmakers to create better work environments and be more ethically aligned. It, it really is mutually beneficial. And that's the thing that I'm really, really thrilled about. You know, and it, and it really is this work is because Hollywood, just to, you know, just to be honest with you, has been one of the, you know, not just the oldest industry, but one of the slowest industries to make change in both diversity mm-hmm. and equity, right? And now you're talking about inclusion. So so to see you be able to accelerate this and, and start from very little and to then to be able to heighten this is definitely a cause that I want to, you know, join your platform and, and sharing and spreading the word and the good news, really, <laughs> in terms of what you're doing. So. Thank you. Let me thank you um, for this. And so let me, Sarah, so in terms of just, you know, um, you know, people think of survivors, they first first and foremost, they think of, okay, women only, um, and particularly they may think of white women primarily, but can you Mm -hmm. dispel that myth to talk about, you know, who, who, who embodies the survivors that benefit from the work you do? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I am a white woman myself, and I'm very aware of the fact that white feminism kind of is the dominating voice among mainstream conversations about sexual violence. And that shouldn't be the case. It is, you know, one in four women in general experiences sexual violence across their lives, one in six men. And we know that those numbers are probably higher than what's reported because many people don't report what happens to them. But survivors are a very diverse group of people. And many survivors are multiply marginalized black women, trans women, people from the LGBTQ community, people from the disabled community are at the highest risk of experiencing sexual violence. And it is those people that I'm most concerned with. I think that's the thing is if we 
address the sort of systemic issue at the core of all of this, which is that there is this sort of concentration of power and with absolute power comes absolute corruption, right? There is this power imbalance. And that is what allows for sexual violence, racialized violence, violence against disabled folks and homophobic violence and and violence against trans people. It all comes from the same root. This idea that some people think that they should have more power and more rights over other certain people. And so it is really important to me, and that's why the advisory board was really important to me. I have my perspective, my lived experience as a disabled, queer, white woman, and it's important that I make sure that that lens isn't the only thing that I'm seeing this issue of sexual violence through. I need to have people who are from other marginalized communities adding their voices to this work and making sure that everybody is fairly represented. So that's something I'm really cognizant of. And that's why I call the toolkit a living document. All of this is alive and constantly changing and growing. And I hope to be the kind of person that 10 years in the future, I look back at myself now and go, gosh, I had a lot to learn. And now I'm an even better person. Now I'm, I'm an even better advocate. And that's what I'm always working towards. So I, I hope that we're able to center people who are not just white women in this work, because that has been the crux of what we talk about. And whereas, you know, Tarana Burke created the Me Too movement over a decade ago. We all stand on the shoulders of largely women of color who've been doing the work to advocate for equity and inclusion and safety for all of these marginalized groups. So I'm, I'm very aware of that. And it's something that I try to, to keep in mind, in my vision with every moment I, I work on this. Sarah, as you were talking and sharing, I wanted to say, go girl, go. (laughs) I mean, I was going to say, say that, say that, let me witness, because you're definitely saying all the power words, you know, system, I mean. You know, okay, you're you're white woman, but you are a woke one. Because let me tell you, and then just listening, just who you are and what you represent, I'm like, come on, get over it, people. You know, I I am too, and and fighting this, you know, this larger fight. So I, I am just going to have to share with you that I am just so elated um, beyond words in in terms of the journey. And I know I've said this several times throughout that you're making and this impact. I absolutely know the work that you're doing will make a difference, and and. Unfortunately, we are in, we do live in a, in a culture of, uh, of trauma, and so we have to rise above that. And I've always said, if we could come together across um, ethnicities and races to deal with some common issues, you know, man, the power and, and the pace of the voice of change we could have would be amazing. So I, you know, what I, what I think you should do with you guys, uh, this is just a, is a, as they call it, a brain fart, is a quick one, is we have this initiative um, that's called the, the CEO Action Pledge. And this, uh, and this is against anti-racism and it's against, um, and it's accelerating DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, or equity, diversity, and inclusion, um, accessibility in the workplace. Um, wouldn't it be amazing if the, I mean, just an idea the Survivors Initiative had a pledge, yes, that CEOs can sign to mm-hmm. mitigate sexual harassment in their workplace. Not not to mar, not to not to reduce it, not to minimize it, but mm-hmm. to mitigate it, to eliminate it. And signing this pledge 
you know, across the industry and nation, and then to protect, you know, all the, the groups that you just spoke to, the, you know, uh, which I definitely pulled into. Because, yeah, you know, I think that's a great cause, idea. Because we all enjoy, you know, what you're protecting. Survivors Hollywood, um, Hire Survivors Hollywood, the work that you do to entertain the world, we, we all benefit from, from this work. So with this, um, you know, we, we, we should find a way to be able to help strengthen the work that you're doing. So I'm going to, we're going to have to, you know, come back to you and reach out and do a story on you and have you come out and speak to our conferences because I, I really think this is incredible and very bold um, in, in what you're doing. And we want to thank you for showing up with us today. I want to encourage all of our listeners to go to HireSurvivorsHollywood.org slash toolkit, be able to grab information. Plus there's ReframeResource.com. Um, you go to Twitter, you know, for Hire Survivors. You can go Instagram, Facebook, and all these different mediums that you can definitely connect with Sarah. And of course, you know, she's right there and she said, um, movie that I will buy because <laughs> I like the theme anyway. I like to go watch them and I like to buy them. Those that are with big messages. So thank you so much for your time this morning, um, Sarah. Um, was there any last advice you would like to give folks as we uh, wrap up the show? I just want to share with people that I think Hollywood feels very far away and very glamorous and very insular to people. But I think we have a responsibility in Hollywood to tell stories that matter. We shape culture. We shape people's hearts and minds with the stories that we tell. So while I know a lot of people have a lot of issues with Hollywood, and I do too, I just want you to know that I am committed to reshaping this industry to tell stories that positively impact culture. And my intention with the work that I'm doing with my organization is to branch out into other industries and other communities and allow this to be a framework that everybody can benefit from. So I just am honored to have the time to talk with you today, Pam. I hope that survivors who are listening feel heard and seen and know that there's support no matter how they decide to move forward with their healing and sharing their story. And I hope people who maybe haven't experienced sexual violence have a little more empathy and understanding after after hearing what I've gone through and, and after knowing that this is something that is ongoing and, and really impactful to people. And so thank you so much for your time and we appreciate and once again celebrate all that you offer. So have a good week <laughs> next week and have a good day this morning. Thank you, Pam. Everyone's talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Let Diversity MBA Media bring you up to speed on the discussion. With benchmarking services that help enterprises gauge and expand the diversity of their workforces, to fresh, insightful, deep dive articles on the Diversity MBA website, CEO Pam Micklevane leverages years of experience and some of the foremost thought leaders on diversity, equity, and inclusion to spread the DEI message and curate content that educates and enlightens. In addition, Diversity MBA Media hosts annual conferences that bring together speakers from all across the DEI spectrum, with thousands of virtual attendees learning industry best practices from a wide range of perspectives. 
Check out Diversity MBA Media, join the diversity, equity, and inclusion movement, and be a part of the discussion. www.diversitymbamagazine.com. Thank you all for joining us um, this morning, uh, me and Sarah, and having this conversation on experiencing trauma and then surviving it, even though she talked about from, you know, uh, her experience as a survivor, she really, uh, of sexual harassment, she was able to, you know, broaden the scope of what courage means and what it looks like to, to, to go beyond. And the diversity moment that I think about that I'd want to share with you um, is when she was describing inclusion and describing those that are all a part of um, some level of trauma that they survived. She was talking about persons with disabilities, which there are one and two people on this planet has a disability. She was talking not just about African-American and Black and Hispanic, but she talked about the LG, LG, LGBTQIA non-binary community. She talked about transgenders within that community. She even opened up her own coming out of being bisexual, um, being, being able to feel safe in doing that. But when we think about, you know, inclusion and regardless of ethnicity and race and, and gender, um, and generation, we're talking about everyone. And the sense of belonging has to be there with the feeling of being safe. And knowing that you can have an open expression where your opinion matters to the point that you can't, while it's fearful and you're not sure what the impact would be, but knowing that there's a community and a group to support you. So in, in, in the spirit of our diversity moment of inclusion and being able to protect your own voice by having a community to share, um, I encourage you to expand your, your universe by engaging others that are different uh, respecting perspectives that are different and allowing yourself to um, be uniquely included. So with that, we hope to have you guys join us again next week. Um, we'll be excited to, to be a part of the morning show, have you call in for any questions or answers. I appreciate all that you do, all of your time. I'm Pam McElvain, your host of the Inclusive Voice to bring to you the bold goal, mind your money, and now diversity moments. Keep your finger on the pulse of the diversity, equity, and inclusion movement. Check out diversitymbamagazine.com. As a dedicated news and media focal point for workplaces, professionals, and students, diversitymbamagazine.com is chock full of profiles of accomplished professionals in the DEI space, as well as notes of recognition and other newsworthy items. Check out the 2021 50 out front, get the skinny on diversity recruiting, tap into the latest in DEI. Go to diversitymbamagazine.com and subscribe for updates.